Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, please turn to the book of Mark, chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, we're actually going to start verse 12, and then we'll move a little bit deeper into Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 12, let's pray. Father, you say, you say to us in your word, be still and know that I am God. So Lord, we just pause to be still for a second to know that you are God. We just thank you, Father, for your presence among us. In the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, you said, if two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in their midst. And here we are, Lord Jesus, gathered in your name. So we trust that your spirit, your spirit, Lord Jesus, is here among us. And not just among us, but in us, those who trust in you. Lord Jesus, you promised that you, the Father, would come and make your home with us, in us. We just bless you for that, Father. We thank you. And we ask for your help now as we look at your word. Pray for the leading of your spirit. Pray for uh, the promptings of your spirit. Father, you and you alone know what we need in our hearts. You know those who need to be encouraged. You know those who need to be comforted. You know those who weep. You know those who rejoice today. And so we just look to you, and, and Father, whatever it is that we need, we just ask that you would supply it now by your Spirit, and we thank you for it in the name of Jesus, amen. Before we read, let me just kind of set it up here. Uh, many of you know, for the past couple of weeks now, I've just been doing a little bit of a, a sabbatical overflow. My family and I returned uh, recently from sabbatical, and a sabbatical is, is not just meant to be for the pastor and his family, it, it's also intended to be for the church body. The pastor has a time to be filled up again in Jesus, and I do thank you for that, uh, but that should then spill over to the church body, and several other pastors actually encouraged me that when I returned, I should just take a few Sundays to kind of just spill over from the pulpit, just talk with you about some of the ways Jesus had ministered to us on sabbatical. It's a way for you to get to know us a little bit better. Many times people don't know their pastors very well, so I've tried to be more open the last few weeks about what the Lord has been doing in our lives, give you a chance to get to know us, but hopefully that's been beneficial uh, for you as well, and I've heard from lots of you that it has been, Uh, so man, praise God.
God for that. Uh, I am going to conclude that little sabbatical overflow today. Then I will um, get back to the book of Nehemiah and finish that, uh, a book that I had started before sabbatical. And, And here's the thing that I'd like to think about with you today. This has been so important for us, for me on sabbatical, and really so important for me over the past year. I'd like to think with you today about the importance of silence and stillness and solitude in the Christian life. Just three very simple S's there. Uh, Silence, stillness, and solitude. Three things that you can find all over the Bible, all three of them so important when it comes to the health of Christians. And yet I believe that those three things are probably some of the most neglected things in contemporary Christianity. I don't know if you've noticed it, but we live in a very busy world. Incredibly busy. People just in a non-stop flurry of activity. Moving constantly from one thing to the next. Overscheduled, tense, frantic, preoccupied, fatigued, starved for time. Most people's lives somewhere between full and chaotic. And, and, and it's also a very noisy world. I mean, just, just pay attention someday. It's just a constant, uh, incessant drone of, of TVs and radios and computers and music and cell phones and endless talk, nonstop activity and noise from sunup to sundown. And it's not just non-Christians who live like that, but it's also a ton of Christians. Many Christians today may have some brief daily devotion where they try to quiet their hearts for just a minute, but it's then just go go, go, and noise, 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 till they collapse at night and wake up to do it again the next day. And, and please hear me on this. When you live like that as a Christian, day in, day out, your interior will also be very busy and noisy. Your soul will just not be at rest. Like water just poured into a bowl, your soul will be stirred up, it will be turbulent, it will be unsettled. Maybe lots of good Christian actions on the surface in your life, but at the core, just a very agitated soul. And the people around you will taste it. They will know. Just not a very healthy Christianity. And I personally believe that that is the only type of Christianity that a lot of contemporary Christians know. Just a non-stop, busy, noisy, agitated soul type of Christianity. And, and, and many Christians have been doing that for so many years, they don't even recognize that their souls are agitated. You actually have to have a calm soul to recognize that your soul was agitated. And you know, at some point in time, 
If we want to grow as Christians, if we want to mature, become healthier, if we want to make a deeper impact on the people in our homes and our neighborhoods, the people in our church, at some point in time, we need to begin to swim upstream. We need to begin to swim against this current in our culture of nonstop noise and activity. We need to begin to embrace at some point a measure of silence and stillness and solitude in our lives. And you know, Christians for the previous 2,000 years, they have recognized the value, the, the, the importance of silence, stillness, and solitude in the Christian life. They've, they've recognized the importance of having a healthy rhythm of those things in your life. Many Christians today still recognize that. Uh, just a couple quotes here on the importance of those things in the Christian life. Dallas Willard says this, silence and solitude are the two most radical disciplines of the Christian life. Henry Nouwen said this, without solitude, it is impossible to live a spiritual life. And Blaise Pascal said, all men's miseries derive from not being able to sit in a quiet room alone. All men's miseries derive from not being able to sit in a quiet room alone. And whatever you might think about that statement, it is a powerful statement about solitude, silence, and stillness. And over the past couple years of my life, and even more so on sabbatical, God has been stressing with me the extreme importance in my own life of a healthier rhythm of silence and stillness and solitude. And I just want to think with you about those things for a couple of minutes today. You know, those three S's, they can be found all over the Bible. If you just pause and kind of begin to look for them. We'll just start here again today with Jesus. If you study the life of Jesus in the Bible, one thing you'll notice very quickly about Jesus is that he spent significant time in solitude. Alone. Away from people, away from his disciples, away from the crowds, away from the noise and the chaos of this world. Now, we don't know all that Jesus did during his times of solitude. We do know he prayed. But, but listen, in his times of solitude and prayer, he probably wasn't talking the entire time. There were probably significant portions of time where Jesus was just silent. Just still, just being in the presence of his Father. Enjoying the presence of his Father. We can see Jesus in solitude here. Mark chapter 1, an extended period of solitude right at the start of his ministry. If you look at verse 12, Jesus was just baptized by John the Baptist. And Mark then says this, The Spirit 
immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. You know, we've heard, most of us, a lot of us, about the temptations of Jesus. It's great. But you actually have to just pause there and think, you know what? Before Jesus ever did anything spectacular in his ministry, 40 days of complete solitude. 40 days alone. No people. No noise. No chaos. Just Jesus. Most likely communing with his Father the entire time and being sifted by, by Satan. And we see Jesus just a little bit later in solitude. Uh, just a few verses later, a briefer period of solitude. Jesus was now back in Capernaum where he was now living. Early one morning, he cast a demon out of a man. Later that afternoon, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then here this evening, now look at what happens. Verse 32 That evening at sundown, now they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. You know, if you have a time later today, just look over that first chapter of Mark. There is so much activity in that first chapter of Mark. Jesus casting out demons in the morning. He's healing in the afternoon. All these people now coming to Jesus in the evening. At the end of the chapter, Jesus now heading out to preach throughout all of Galilee. There's just all of this action in Mark chapter 1 and then smack dab in the middle of it. Solitude. Jesus early in the morning, a desolate, isolated, deserted place, alone. No human being there with him, no noise, no chaos. It was just Jesus praying. And again, probably not talking the entire time in prayer, all busy and active in prayer, but also probably just peaceful silence and stillness at times with Jesus, just being with his Father, just enjoying his Father's presence. After this long day of ministry, Jesus was probably being revived there by his Father, and he was also probably being empowered there by his Father for future ministry. Henry Nouwen, when he looked at Mark chapter 1, he said this about the chapter. He said, in the center of breathless activities, we hear a restful breathing. Surrounded by hours of moving, we find a moment of quiet stillness. In the heart of much involvement, there are words of withdrawal. In the midst of action, There is contemplation, and after much togetherness, 
There is solitude. And he went on and said this, The more I read this nearly silent sentence, locked in between the loud words of action, the more I have the sense that the secret of Jesus' ministry is hidden in that lonely place where he went to pray early in the morning, long before dawn. In the lonely place, Jesus finds the courage to follow God's will and not his own, to speak God's words and not his own, to do God's work and not his own. It is in the lonely place where Jesus enters into intimacy with the Father that his ministry is born. His ministry, the ministry of Jesus, born in that lonely place of intimacy with his Father. And man, we see Jesus in this type of solitude on many other occasions. Luke 5.16 says this, but Jesus would withdraw, and that is a, in the Greek, it is a continual withdrawing, but Jesus would continually withdraw to desolate places and pray. Matthew 14, 23, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. And on and on and on. Solitude was a regular practice for Jesus. All alone. No other human beings there. No noise, no, no chaos, desolate, isolated places in prayer. Some of that prayer most likely just in, in silence and stillness. You know, we often think of prayer as just talk. Talking to God or talking at God. We pause and we talk, 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 and then we go on about our business. And if that's all prayer is to you, then your prayer has also in some way just become another noisy thing in your life. Very, very active, very, very noisy. Prayer does involve talking at times, but prayer can also just be be silent, just being with God, just being with Jesus, just enjoying His presence, letting the Father love you. Just being with Him, quieting your soul. You know, Christians for centuries have talked about contemplative prayer. Simply being with God. Being with Jesus, not not talking the entire time, but quiet, still before God, contemplating, listening, meditating maybe on one verse of of Scripture there or something. I'm sure that Jesus at times in his solitude was just silent, still before his Father. And it was out of his solitude fueled and energized by that aloneness with his, his Father, that Jesus then lived and moved and ministered. His doing in this life, his ministry, his, his, active, uh, his actions in this life, flowing out of his being with his Father. His doing for God, flowing out of His being with God. It was in the lonely place now and said where Jesus entered into intimacy with His Father that His ministry was born. 
So, you know, you look at the life of Jesus, you just see clearly uh, this regular rhythm of solitude. Probably also some stillness and, and silence there. And we can, see those other th- we can see those things in other places in the Bible with other people. Solitude. Moses, all alone on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai for 40 days twice. Receiving from God the Old Testament law. Elijah, all alone in a cave, receiving from God instructions for Israel. Peter, all alone on a rooftop, receiving from God a vision for the Gentiles. Solitude all over. And many Psalms speak of stillness and in silence. Psalm 4.4 says this, Ponder or meditate in your own hearts on your beds, and be silent. And just look at that for a second. That is a command from the God who loves you. God is telling you there literally to be silent. No noise. Pondering alone in your heart. When's the last time you took a command like that seriously? We have a tendency to just read over that like that's metaphorical language. Oh, you know, just uh, be still, be, be quiet. Yeah, we get it, yada, yada. And then we go on with our noise and activity. No, God is saying, be silent. Be silent. Be silent. And ponder in your own heart on your bed. Or Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. That's another command from a God who loves you. Be still. No activity, no rushing around, no phone in your hands, but quiet before him. Or Psalm 46, 10, I mentioned it earlier, be still. And know, God says, be still and know that I am God. You know, that word know in the Bible, it refers to an experiential knowing. It's not just something you know in your head. It's something you know in your heart by experience. The Bible says that Adam knew Eve. And, and, and that meant that Adam knew Eve not just in his head, but in his heart experientially. And God wants you to know him like that, not just in your head. Many people know God in their minds and can spew information about God all day long. But God wants you to know him in your heart, experientially. And, and how can you do this? How, how do you come to this deep experiential knowledge of God? Well, here's one way. Be still. God says. And know experientially that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And one of the reasons we're so active and noisy in our lives is we've forgotten who's God. And we've started to think that we are. And God says, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. 
We could go on countless places in the Bible where we see these themes of silence and stillness and and solitude. It's just so important for God's children to have some measure of those things in their lives. But to many contemporary Christians, those are very foreign things. I think a lot of Christians today, if they thought through just the past week, the amount of time they actually spent alone in silence and in stillness would be very minimal, if any at all. And that may be the case with you over the past week, over the past month maybe, or over the past year. Just a go, 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 very, very busy Christian life. And listen, if that's you, all the grace in the world to you. That's okay. Because here's the thing. God doesn't love you because of anything you do or don't do. His love is not dependent upon you being still or silent or spending any time in solitude. He loves you just because you're His. He loves you because you're his. Jesus died to pay for all our sin and failure uh, on the cross. And the second you turn uh, to Christ in faith, you turn away from your sin in repentance, God forgives you of all your sin, all your failures. And he loves you with an eternal, infinite love, not because of anything you do or don't do, but just because you're his. He loves you. But here's the thing. If you want to be healthy as a child of God. If you want to grow and mature as a child of God, at at some point in time, you need to begin to embrace some of the more mature Christian disciplines. Not just drink milk our entire lives, but actually move on to feeding on some, some meat. Some of the more radical Christian disciplines, as Dallas Willard said. Things like silence and stillness and solitude. Like Jesus, like many others in the Bible. I realize there are seasons of life. <laughs> I realize there are seasons when it is just harder to be still, to be silent, and to spend any amount of time in any sort of solitude. I have five little children in my home. I get it. (laughs) I get it. I get it. But listen, please be careful with that seasons thing. Because when will your life really get any less full? What season of your life will things slow down? If you don't intentionally make room in your life now for things like silence, stillness, solitude, it may never happen and we will remain relatively immature to some degree. Unhealthy, just go, go, go. Lots of activity on the surface maybe, even good Christian activity, but at the core, agitated, restless, dry souls and the people around us will taste it. You can do mission your entire life But you can do mission with an agitated soul or with a quiet and restful soul. And people will know the difference in your life. 
I believe this thing right here that I'm talking about, I think it is a huge issue in contemporary evangelicalism. A lot of modern day evangelicalism, it is built on action. It is built on doing. Do, 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 do. And doing is not necessarily bad. The Bible gives us lots of things to do in our life, but our doing should flow out of a healthy being. Just being with my Father. Being with Jesus still and silent, alone with Jesus at times. Learning how to enjoy His presence. Learning how to let Jesus just love on me. In the secret place, Jesus says. Not with you, but all alone. Practicing His presence, as Brother Lawrence wrote about throughout the day, Man, a rich and healthy being with God and my doing for God then flowing out of that being with God. And all of your doing then tastes so much more life-giving to your spouse and your kids, to your co-workers, to your neighbors. And you will grow. Please listen. You cannot cheat the process to maturity. You cannot cheat it. You cannot short circuit it. You cannot do it. It will not work. If you do not have a healthy being with God, people will taste it. The being with God is primary, not the doing for God. God God didn't create you to be a human doing. He created you to be a human being. We must learn how to be human beings. Before God who loves us. Before a Savior who loves us. Human beings. And a healthy being with God will include, at times, I believe, some silence and some stillness and some solitude away from people, away from the noise and chaos, quieting your soul, listening, not talking, (laughs) thinking, pondering, contemplating, meditating. Maybe it's on a walk. Maybe it's by yourself in your home somewhere. Maybe it's in a quiet corner at your desk at work. That desert place where you go by yourself with God. That was Jesus. That was Jesus. In the center of His breathless activity, a restful breathing. Surrounded by hours of moving, a quiet stillness in the midst of action, contemplation, after much togetherness, solitude. It was in the lonely place now and said where Jesus entered into intimacy with his Father that his ministry was born. His doing flowing out of his being. So how do we do it? Because all of our lives are busy. How do we do it? Not waiting till I'm 65 to do it. 
how do I do it today? How do I find a measure of silence today? Stillness and solitude today? It'll probably look different for all of us. We're all wired so incredibly differently. It will look different for introverts than for extroverts, but we all need it. (laughs) You're out there thinking, yeah, this is for the introverts. I'm an extrovert. I'm a people person. Yeah, Jesus was too. (laughs) Introverts and extroverts, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Peter Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, it's a really good book. He says, we all have a solitary monk inside of us. This part of our soul that just needs silence and stillness and solitude. Parents, your children need silence at times. They need stillness. They need solitude. And, and hear me on this, not just a go to your room <laughs> type of silence, stillness, and solitude. No, they just need time to be quiet and to be still by themselves. We were on our sabbatical. We were driving all over the country. It felt like almost 6,000 miles. That was a lot of miles. Had a ton of fun uh, with our family, going to all these different places. There were good and restful times. But I did start to notice about halfway through that my kids, from sunup to sundown, just by, by nature of what we were doing, they were just like this all day, together, 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 in the van or in the house or, 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 or on the beach. They were together, they were together, talking, talking, talking. And I could see it on their faces that it was wearing on me and it finally dawned on me. They don't really have the freedom. I not, have not really just looked at them and said, you have the freedom just to go be by yourself. When you read your Bible in the morning, you, you can go out on the hammock in the backyard and just be quiet. When you feel yourself stressed and overwhelmed, just be by yourself for a little bit. Take a book and just be quiet. And man, my kids have really grabbed a hold of that, and they're still, they'll still do it to this day. Just grab a book at times and go sit and, and knit, uh, one of my girls will do, and, and just be quiet. Your children need this. I'll speak to all you who are youth and young adults here, 7th grade on up to 12th grade. You need to learn how to be silent at times, how to be still, how to be by yourself without vandalizing things. (laughs) You don't always have to be texting with a friend or playing a video game. You don't always have to be listening to music. You don't always have to be doing something. Do, 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 do. That leads to an agitated, restless soul. And you youth and young adults, you feel it. If you're too busy, you know it inside of your heart. And you need to learn to, to make room, stillness, silence, solitude. We all need it. Every Christian needs it. But look, that's going to look very different from from person to person. You know, for some of us, it might just be starting a daily private devotion of sorts. You know, maybe you've never done anything like that in your Christian life. You've just been going, going, going. You've never really stopped and quieted yourself on a daily basis, just, just alone in the word and prayer. That's okay if that's you. But I would encourage you, start there. When when does something like that happen in your life? Start there, maybe, a daily devotion. Find a quiet place in your house or out at a park, away from the chaos. Leave your phone 
<laughs> out of the room or wherever you are. We push the computer away, a little bit of the word, a little time in prayer. If you just do that, you'll definitely feel it in your soul. Quieter, more restful, more, more peaceful. Let me caution you though. Don't let that devotion time just be more noise and activity in your life. I think that is very common for contemporary Christians. The daily devotion is just more activity. You, you, you read, you, you say some words in prayer, you're just busy, you're, you're, you're active. We need to stop at times. We need to stop. Stop your activity, just breathe. Man, let yourself become conscious again of Jesus' presence with you. Listen, if you trust in Christ today, the Holy Spirit is within you. You don't have to find the Spirit or God up here somewhere. He's with you. But we lose awareness that Jesus is with us as we go through the day. And you have to pause and remind yourself. Let God remind you, I'm with you. I'm here with you. I'm with you. Just pause, become aware of God's presence. Again, let him quiet your soul. Then maybe read a little pause, chew on it, listen for the promptings of the Spirit in quiet. Speak a few words of prayer if you'd like, but also just listen, enjoy the presence of God. He loves you. He loves to be with you. Just let him love you. Be still and let God love you. Meditate on Scripture where God loves you. And let him love you. Be still. It's okay to do that. For some of us, that's a place to start. Just to cultivate a new rhythm of silence and stillness and solitude. Maybe it's a little daily devotion. Can I encourage you not to stop there? A lot of Christians, they get a little daily devotion established and that's it for the rest of their lives. Have their morning devotion. They just go, go, go till they crush at night. I mean, that's the Christian life for a lot of people. Try to get filled up with Jesus in the morning, man. And then I'm just going to leak him all day long. And I'm going to fall asleep dead tired and get up tomorrow and hope I can fill up with him again. So what I did for years, even as a pastor, I started having daily devotion early in my life. My mother modeled it for me. And man, I just grabbed it. Tried when I was sixth grade, and I fell asleep on my Bible all the time. But it just kind of set in at one point. And man, my daily devotion time during the years has become so important to me. It is seriously like nourishment to my soul. It just is. When I miss it, man, I feel dry in my soul. But you know what? About a year ago, I started noticing that even when I did have my devotions... I still felt dry in my soul, especially later in the day. Filled up in the morning with Jesus, grumbling by noon. <laughs> my kids don't even know I'm a Christian at night. <laughs> I've lost him. I leaked him out somewhere along the way. And man, the more I started praying about this thing and processed through it with Molly and other people, man, I just knew the Holy Spirit was putting his proverbial finger on that right there. Just not a healthy rhythm in my life of daily silence and stillness and solitude with Jesus. 
Definitely, um, and just not enough being with Jesus, but definitely not in stillness, silence, and solitude. Man, I started noticing about a year ago that even my morning devotion, it was very active and noisy. Crunching through a yearly reading plan, praying these prayers constantly, active and busy in their good stuff, but just busy. And the nourishment I did receive in the morning seemed to be gone by noon. Just not a healthy rhythm there, being with Jesus, definitely not in stillness, solitude, in silence. My doing for Jesus was swamping my being with Jesus. It just was. And I think that's where a lot of people are. That Man, that one-shot daily devotion just wasn't cutting it for me. So God began to change my rhythm a little. Still had my daily devotion. I still do in the mornings. But now I spend a little more time in that devotion just in silence and stillness before God. And I've also begun to incorporate a little something at lunch and in the evening. You know, that was really the rhythm of the people in the Bible and the early Christians. They didn't just have a morning devotion and be done with it. No, they had set hours throughout the day when they quieted their hearts in the word and in prayer. David prayed seven times a day. Daniel prayed three times a day. The apostles gathered for at least three to four set times of prayer every day. Jesus also most likely joined in on those set hours of prayer every day. And the early Christians after Jesus also followed that same pattern multiple times through the day of just quieting their hearts in the word and in the prayer. Many Christians still do it today, so I started uh, maybe a year ago now. Uh, Still the morning devotion, but now a little something at, at noon and at evening, not long, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes or so, eat lunch and then take a short walk. Uh, or eat dinner and just sit in my room for a few minutes and just be silent for a couple minutes. Just quiet. Breathe. Just breathe. Quiet my heart. Become aware again that Jesus is with me. Uh, read a couple verses of Scripture, maybe a brief devotion, maybe a brief prayer, and then just end with a couple more minutes of just silence before the Lord. And man, the goal with this thing, when you take more times throughout the day just to quiet your heart like that, the goal with this thing is, is that you would learn to be with Jesus more. And not just in those set times when you quiet your heart. No, the goal is that you would learn to become more aware of Jesus throughout the day, learning how to practice his presence throughout the day, as Brother Lawrence wrote about. Being with Jesus. Being with Jesus all day long. And man, I tell you what, that one little tweak in my daily rhythm has made dramatic changes in in my life. I know that people have felt it. My wife, my kids, I think you have. People have remarked that I seem a little different. That's a big part of it. It's just learning how to be more with Jesus and then overflowing into doing out of that. So man, if you do have a daily devotion of sort, just encourage you maybe consider also doing something like that. Just pause at work. Pause at your desk for a few minutes. Pause in the kitchen at lunchtime. If your children are eating, just pause for a couple of minutes. Quiet your heart. Recite a memory verse, something like that. Um, pause. Uh, let Jesus love on you for a second. And I guarantee you will feel it and other people will begin to taste it. 
Some of you could consider doing just even a silent retreat of some sort. I told you I did that at the end of my sabbatical. Just eight days, and I kind of got by myself. And what was cool is when I got to this little prayer place to have this time just with Jesus, I actually ran into a woman from our church uh, who's actually staring at me here this morning. So, uh, man, and it was just so cool. She was there to spend a couple days just being quiet, being with Jesus. And some of you could consider that. Man, my wife, bless her heart, watches the kids and allow me to do it. So ask your spouse if you could get away for a day or so and just be quiet. Man, whatever it looks like for you in your Christian life, ask Jesus just to help you cultivate a little bit more stillness, a little bit more silence and solitude in your life. Ask God to help you that your doing for him would be flowing out of a very deep being with him. And man, people around you, will taste it. The water in your soul that's all churned up, if you give it just a little time with Jesus, will quiet down. And you'll begin to hear the Lord's voice more as you read the word. You'll get more direction from Him. I'm convinced God speaks when we're silent, not when we're all noisy inside of our hearts. Man, may the Lord help us to do it, to cultivate that in our lives. Lord, we thank You for your grace. We thank you for the example we see in Jesus. Father, we do thank you for body life, that we don't just go and live out our Christianity by ourselves underneath the tree somewhere, that you've called us into community. And Lord, you live within the community. And Lord, we thank you for the body life and all we, all we um, learn about you among other believers. But Father, we don't want to throw uh, the the solitude away. You've also called us. um, You live within each of us. And Father, I just ask that you draw us away. Whatever that looks like in our lives, teach us, Lord, how to be still and quiet before you. Teach us what solitude looks like. Help us, Lord God, to still our souls before you. And Father, may we just overflow with life in you. In the name of Jesus, amen.